Welcome back to the Unregulated Podcast. I am your co-host, Tom Pyle. <laughs> this is the 18th episode, and I'm Mike McKenna. Here we are on January 8th, on Friday. Not much happened this week. <laughs> we had a couple things going on. 2021 is starting out with... A, a bang? A, a, with a flash. <laughs> if, if anyone <laughs> thought that they were looking forward to 2021... So that they could put a little bit of craziness behind them. I don't think we're off to a good start. Uh, in that we might department. get we might get there, but we're not getting we're not getting there quickly. <clears throat> All right. Do we want to go in order of events this week, or do we want to go in reverse order of events this week? Probably what would you probably reverse order? Okay. We are going to discuss the day that the electors met. Uh, was that Wednesday? Wednesday. Oh, already. yeah, yeah, yeah. Wednesday. Yeah, sorry, with the rally and the Yes, and we're, we're, by the way, recording from the AEA studios downtown, and oh, no. it was a breeze getting here. All the roads were miraculously reopened, and um, I don't see a whole lot of people running around it town did. Right So now, the so. insurrection basically failed and was not good. I guess. Yes, the I, insurrection. It did. And the insurrectionists are now back at their day jobs, apparently. So, so <laughs> I, I, okay, I used to work on the Hill, as we've talked about. I used to work in, on, in the Capitol, as we've talked about. And there is no excuse for what happened on Wednesday. None whatsoever. I wouldn't, uh, do not interpret my comments today as, as an endorsement of, of the activities that took place. On Wednesday, but, and there's the but. But, it's a big but. There should be some context put around this, I think. What do you have in mind? Well, um, I'm always in favor of context, just so you know. First of all, I don't know, I was at home, and when I saw a couple of ticks about this and that and the other, I pulled up C-SPAN on my computer because... That's usually where I go first, you know, kind of listening to the deliberations on on the Hill. And our friend Greta, who I've known forever, uh, was hosting a show and doing the in the middle of the show, she started discussing what was happening. C-SPAN cameras had a a picture in the rotunda. Okay. Yeah. And I wasn't I wasn't watching any networks, mind you. Or cable shows like CNN or any of that stuff. So all I was watching was C-SPAN and the live call-in program, okay? Here's what I saw. I saw a whole bunch of people walking together, single file, within the rope line, contained within the rope line, literally taking pictures on their cell phone of the rotunda and and the scenes around them. Yeah. With Capitol Police standing around as if this was a tour. Yeah. Now, I know there's a lot else that went on, and God forbid, all, first of all, as I said, this is, this is a unacceptable yeah. and reprehensible what happened. But was it, what, was it what was just described in this clip? President Franklin Roosevelt set aside December 7th, 1941, as a day that will live in infamy. Unfortunately, we can now add January 6th, 2021, 
to that very short list of dates in American history that will live forever in infamy. This temple to democracy was desecrated. Its windows smashed, our offices vandalized. The world saw Americans' elected officials hurriedly ushered out because they were in harm's way. The House and Senate floors were places of shelter until the evacuation was ordered, leaving rioters to stalk these hallowed halls. Lawmakers and our staffs, average citizens who love their country, serve it every day, feared for their lives. I understand that one woman was shot and tragically lost her life. We mourn her and feel for her friends and family. These images were projected to the world. Foreign embassies cabled home their capital, their home capitals to report the harrowing scenes at the very heart of our democracy. This will be a stain on our country, not so easily washed away. The final, terrible, indelible legacy of the 45th president of the United States, undoubtedly our worst. Yeah. um, There's a lot to, there's a lot to say about that. Let me just try three things right out of the gate, right? One is, um, it's not a stain on our country. It's a stain on the um, Capitol Hill police, right? And we're, there's going to be lots of investigations about that, I, right? I hope – I don't want to interrupt you, but I'm, I'm, I hope there are a lot of investigations. Yeah, they're, they're, they're – you know, they've already announced they're going to start looking into it and, you know, questions about how everybody accessed the building and, and questions about who accessed the building, right? And that's all going to come out in the wash. So, you know, staying in our country, there might have been, I don't know, a thousand people involved all in, two thousand. I was watching it on TV. Um, you know. So, you know, was it was it regrettable? Yeah. Was it tragic and terrible that lives were lost? Yeah. Um, you know, was it um, on a scale to be compared to December seventh, nineteen forty one? No. Uh, America was attacked by uh, Imperial Japan uh, in a surprise attack. Twenty four hundred dead, um, and a prelude to a war in which America had three hundred fifty thousand dead. So. Um, let's hope that Senator Schumer's wrong, that this is not a prelude to a war involving 350,000 dead. Like you say, coming into D.C. today, um, it's a completely different experience than I imagine trying to get into Pearl Harbor on December uh, 9th would have been, uh, 1941 would have been. So so there's that, right? And then the um, you know, the other thing is you know, what I saw on TV, what everybody saw on TV was a crowd milling about. Um, you know, were there people inside busting things? Absolutely. Is that bad? Terrible. Um, but you know, the, if it if they were a bunch of insurrectionists, they were the least well organized insurrectionists in the history of the world because most of them were wandering around the West Front taking pictures. And when the and when the cops went to clear them out, right? They started on the South Front, right, the side closest to um, the House office buildings. Because it's the narrowest side, right? When the cops went to clear them out at around 4.30, everybody went. There was no gunfire. There was no pushback by the rioters, um, by the insurrectionists. They basically cleared um, not only the south and the north front, but they cleared the west front and they cleared the east front. And it took the cops, I'm guessing, 20 minutes, 25 minutes to clear all four, right? So again, insurrectionists. Um, 
perhaps, but if they are, they're the least well-organized group. Uh, rioters, maybe, but they're the most peaceful rioters I can um, recall they're, encountering. No, they are not the most peaceful rioters, sir. The it, peaceful riot, the, you cannot compare that um, to the, the peaceful riots that we have experienced this summer. The, the, and you cannot you cannot compare that to the peaceful protests. I was going to say first during off, the Kavanaugh hearings, and that's what I was going to say. They are you cannot compare during the, the level of peace. The summer the summer things were not riots; they were protests. So get it, get your get your get your thing right. You know the good thing about all this is, um, everything's on tape somewhere, and over the next three months, probably everything's going to be adjudicated, and both in courts and in the court of public opinion. And I think a lot of people are going to be, um, I won't say embarrassed because that's too strong a word. A lot of people are going to want to take back a lot of things they're saying now because a lot of people are letting their emotions get the better of their thoughts. One last thing on this. I know you got you got things you want to say. No. I, one last no, thing on this that's we, worth – We can spend as much time on it as we want to talk uh, podcast. I don't want to spend too much time on it. But one last thing's worth mentioning, right? The, um, the word incite and incitement. Um, and the agency of the president, right? The, his 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 participation in this um, is an open question, right? Everyone's throwing in the word incitement around, like somehow that's that's a thing that that's been proven in a court of law. My very strong suspicion is any competent court would not um, find him guilty of incitement. Um, you go back and listen to what he said. He said, yeah, we're going to march on the Capitol. And he didn't say, I want you to kick in the doors right. or the windows or any of that other stuff, right? So I don't if – the, if the D.C. criminal courts wouldn't be able to find him guilty of incitement, I'm not exactly sure I want to find him guilty of incitement. And I think people need to be a lot more careful in the language they use. And you know, the guy who first used insurrectionist, not surprisingly, at least the guy I'm first aware of, is Senator Romney, right? Of course. It, it, I think a lot of things about the people who, who were in the Capitol, but insurrectionist, that implies that you have a coherent plan to overthrow the government of the United States. Not that you have a coherent plan to get in the Capitol building and take selfies and bust stuff, um, which is, like I said, terrible, interesting, bad. Um, the interesting part is going to be at some point those guys are going to come up on charges. Um, and folks like Romney have put a situa put everybody in a situation where one of two things has to happen. Either the federal government has to charge them with treason, uh, the, the punishment for which is, of course, execution. Yes. Um, or they're going to have to charge them with something less. And if they charge them with something less, then we've got to stop calling them insurrectionists. So – I'm I'm curious to see what the what the Department yeah, of Justice well, actually charges. Senator Cotton in the Wall Street Journal today said there should be the principle remains the same: no quarter for insurrectionists. This is his quote: "Those who attacked the Capitol today, which was not today, should face the full extent of the federal law." Yeah. And let's yeah. Let me let me. Can I roll this in a different? Can I bounce sure. this off in a different direction? So, in Portland, the federal courthouse has been under siege there for whatever, six, eight, 10, 12 months now, a long time. Um, and folks attack it, you know, on the routine, on the regular, as the young people like to say. Um, if the capital, if, insur if insurrection is composed of an attack on the United States federal installation, well, here's the deal. Everybody in Portland should go to jail. And truthfully, and I, I, I hear you teeing up another news clip. Like, give me one second. Yeah. The other people who should... Um, Take a hard look at themselves is everybody who's been smiling while people have been um, 
invading American military bases for years and attacking um, machinery on that. Because if, again, if the threshold is you've trespassed on a federal facility and done a damage, there's a hell of a lot of people guilty of insurrection in this country. Well, and the, the reason I got so excited to play this clip is because it, it pretty much sums. Let me play it and we'll talk about mm -hmm. it. They're not protesters, they're insurrectionists, yeah. or, I mean, we have a name for people who commit violence uh, in the name of various political ideology. We call them terrorists. That's what we call people who commit acts of violence for a political or religious cause. In any case, uh, Dana, what I wanted to finish saying was Rudy Giuliani this morning at... Okay, that's really... Yeah, man, it's an, uh, it's it's an instructive really clip. It's really important for people to understand what he just said. Yeah, man, it's a really instructive clip. And I will boil it down to this. If that is the standard, then it needs to apply across the board. Sure, if it's that standard, then everybody who everybody who engaged in violence during the during any the summer, federal statute, sure statue, any federal building, and any anybody who any correspondence, in, yeah, <laughs> that was sent back and forth. I mean, this isn't this yeah, is what yeah. really bothers me about this. Well, it, 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 all of it bothers me. Political violence begets political violence, and it applies across the board. Yeah. And, and you, know, you know, there's a statue on top of the dome of a woman with standing on a pedestal that says, E pluribus unum of many one. That is not, that is not this, it is not, there, there is no uniform standard applied anymore Well, and, and to let, political. Yeah, let me push back on that for, let me sharpen that for a second. In the media, there isn't. In the mainstream media, there isn't, right? Some protests are good. Some are bad. If you're executing violence on behalf of a, a, a cause from the left, it's not terrorism. If you are if you um, are executing violence on behalf of a, a, a rightward political cause, it is terrorism. Um, the guys in Portland aren't insurrectionists. The guys in Washington are insurrectionists. The guys in Kings Bay in Georgia aren't insurrectionists, apparently, despite the fact that they attack an actual military facility. So, yeah, there's there's a double standard. The great thing about the world is, is that the justice system isn't going to charge any of these guys with insurrection because courts, lawyers, judges look at this and go, this is not insurrection. This of is, course. This is is a criminal trespass. Sure. Is it destruction of property? Absolutely. You know. But is it? Did these guys intend to take over the United States government? I'm sure six or seven of them would love to take over the United States government. <laughs> yeah, they, they would give it up after about an hour. Right. The rest of them were taking selfies. So yeah. it, 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 it's it's. I guess the thing is this: the media is fundamentally untrustable, but to my mind, the justice system still is trustable. I, I, yeah, I mean, I'll take that, but I, I want to play this one more time because this is the the media who has spent the last four years basically humming, echoing the left's narrative over overlaying what has been yeah. going on in this country. Not protesters, they're insurrectionists yeah. or... I mean, we have a name for people who commit violence uh, in the name of various political ideology. We call them terrorists. That's what we call people who commit acts of violence for a political or religious cause. In any case, uh, Dana, what I wanted to finish saying was so it's it's that's like just Jake Tapper, right? Yeah. 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 And it's perfect. And it's like John Brennan said, you know, well, in this country, we have a 
you're innocent until um, there's a reasonable yeah. reasonable uh, chance that you've done something don't, wrong. Don't you? You should not, under any circumstances, get me started on John Brennan, um, Fordham grad, by the way, Fordham <laughs> University grad. Um, calling out to all my friends from Fordham out there. Um, you know, John Brennan is probably. Well, I probably need to avoid saying it because I don't want to get sued. But um, he, <laughs> okay, once again, <laughs> he is not—he is not at exactly. Least he stopped himself, or at least J- he's John, thinking about it. John is not exactly a no. guardian of our civil liberties, and you know the the thing about the the thing about the media, what they don't understand is, is that it, it doesn't help their team to just be an echo chamber. You know the, I'm, I'm if I had to pick between you know having the mainstream media on my side or not, I would pick not every single time because it makes you um, sloppy and stupid sure. and lazy. I agree with that one hundred percent. I do I do think that this crystallizes uh, for me though what we talked about this Wall Street Journal uh, article the other day about Soviet yeah. propaganda and everything else. It crystallizes to me, and we've known this, and I've vented about it this morning to get it out of my system. The 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 left owns the narrative, yeah, and they're going to use this event, yeah. And God, God bless, you know. I'm like I said, I don't condone it. I think it's a terrible thing that that happened. People got caught up in it, as as we discussed. Yeah. You know, most of those people probably had never even stepped foot in that building, which. By the way, is going to be another yeah, man. result of this. Yeah, that whole complex is going to get locked down. Gone completely. Yeah. Act, pu- pu- the public's access to those buildings is think, going to be non-existent I in the very near right, future. Yeah. And just as it's nearly impossible to get into a, the White House for a meeting, it is going to be the same thing on Capitol Hill. Yep, and that's a tragedy. And yep. it, the main reason is, is because, A, it's a beautiful building that people should see and be in awe of, but... This this removes these people one yet one another step mm-hmm. away from the public. Yeah, and the, the further removed they are from the public, the further they are grounded in reality, which is you know yeah. the result. A lot of the results, I think, of the deep deep divides in this country. Yeah, I, I, I tend so. to agree. I tend to agree. You know, it it, it you you think about local government state government pretty accessible you you think about federal government just in the course of the last 20 years has become much less physically accessible right and members are um members themselves are less physically accessible than they used to be and i get some of that they're afraid for their personal safety um but it's not good it's not good and then the, there's two other there's two other things the, the that that struck me was the immediate sort of Righteous indignation yeah. in this town. There was a lot of emotions rather than thoughts going on. And and but but it was a clear inflection point for a lot of Republicans in this town to say, "Oh, I I I can only tolerate so much yeah. from this individual. I wipe my hands clean of him." As we are, what eleven days? Yeah, I, from when he boards Marine One and yeah, waves goodbye. Yeah. So I, they waited for three years and how many days before they finally had enough? Yeah, I, you know it. It um, like I said, the 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 connection between what the president said down on the ellipse and what happened, um, you know, a mile to the east of that, um, to my mind, is unclear. I mean, it, it, you know, could you argue it's a direct response? 
you can, but the the evidence is really thin. Um, you know, could you say, well, you know, they knew. Who knows what people know, right? Um, but everybody just took the incitement theory and ran with it, right? Linking it directly, and I think in the next couple of years, a lot of those people are going to regret that. Yeah, I, I hope and, it's and, not and too not, late. And not just because practical purposes, um, but because like what you say, it's going to get, you know, this thing's going to get used against everybody, not just not just the president. It's going to be used against everybody, which is... Yeah, well, it's going to be used... Bad to, and expected. It's going to be used to swiftly lock down the capital and yeah, as I said, like you say, that's, a, that's the first and one, yeah. Really, this is a question for me. For uh, How in the heck did this happen? I, I've been, I worked yeah. in that building a long time ago when security was significant. Well, you remember, you were, you were on the premises, I believe. You may not have been on premises, but you were on payroll when the shooting happened in 96, yeah, 7, was, 5, whenever that was, when the guy burst in the front door and and uh, made his way to Mr. DeLay's office and started shooting people. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, and the building didn't lock down after that, although it, it got a little tighter to get in. Um, it, it's, it's an open question, you know, how this plays out. I, I'm certain what we're going to, I'm certain what's going to happen is there's going to be a lot of questions about what happened with the Capitol Police. There's going to be a lot of questions about what happened there, and there should be. There should be. Now, here's what I hope. A lot of these questions get answered before too much damage is done. And by that, I mean this is a perfect excuse for the Democrats, for guys like Joe Manchin who's, who are running – who, who t- Twitterverse is running around saying is going to be the most powerful, important man in town. <laughs> As I've said before in this podcast, and I'll say it again publicly anytime, there has not been one yeah. vote that he has not given his leader. That's right. That's He's right. a lot of talk. And That's guess what? If they bring earmarks back, the only thing he'll be king of on Capitol Hill is funneling cash into West Virginia in exchange for his vote on some very, very bad policy. That's right. I mean, if the Amer- if the Americans – if the Republicans were smart, what they would do is go to him and offer like to make him appropriations chairman, right? Because right now, the I think the senior Republican on appropriations is, is Senator Shelby. Chances of him running again, not high. Alabama, right? Um if I was a Republican, I would try to um, make a deal with Senator Manchin. And the great thing about Senator Manchin is he's purely he, transactional. He might take that deal. He's purely Although transactional. He's held, he's held firm on remaining a Democrat. That's because no one's ever gone up and offered him appropriations chair. Yeah. He's purely transactional. You think about it. Uh, he to, could sell that in West Virginia, Of course. Too, to, to, your right? point, to your point about West Virginia, right? Robert Byrd gave up being majority leader. To be appropriations chairman. Think about that for yeah, a second, yeah, right? That's a very good point. It's exactly just so specifically so he could shovel cash to West Virginia. It, it, were I Senator McConnell, I would make that try to make that deal right now because, as you point out, Senator you better Manch- move fast because they're going to be making right. deals to Murkowski right, r- right quick. Right. You you got to make a deal with Mansion and, and she then doesn't, lock it doesn't matter if she's a D. Or an R or an I because they she fixed the primary system in the state and, of Alaska. And she ran, she ran as she ran as a write-in last right. time. She has no fear, right. nor should she. Um, but yeah, you got to do this thing quick before it gets out of hand. And as you also point out, Senator Manchin is the Joe Lieberman of his generation. He he always wrestles with his conscience, and somehow his conscience always gets pinned. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm going mean, to play. That, that's trademarked, by the way. You guys can't use that. <laughs> I'm going to play. I'm going to play two clips uh, to wrap up this this happy segment mess. Uh, that was uh, the 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 electoral de- debacle on on Wednesday. Uh, the first comes from. Let's do the one from Anderson Cooper. I'll play this one because I want to. Uh, uh, Should probably play them back to back, and then let me shoot this one from Anderson Cooper into the system here. Hold on. Can, can I just say we're watching these images of people, you know, of some of them leaving the Capitol grounds, wandering back, high fiving each other, smiling, quite pleased with themselves for what they have done today, and it's truly just outrageous and pathetic. Each of these people should be shamed for what they have done today. We should look at their faces. And if I was standing on that street, look at them. They're high-fiving each other for this deplorable display of of completely unpatriotic, completely against law and order, completely unconstitutional behavior. It's stunning. And they're going to go back, you know, to the Olive Garden and to their the Holiday Inn that they're staying at and the Garden Marriott and... They're going to have some drinks and they're going to talk about the great day that they had in Washington and they really did something and stand up for something. And they stood up for nothing other than mayhem and and a man who is, you know, in the despicable waning days of a failed presidency. Okay. Yeah. You know, there's nothing I like better than 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 having a a child who inherited all his money. Um Talk about deplorables, right? Yeah, and, I was. I was going to say, I was. If I had a bell, I would. I might bring a bell into this. It, but it, the, it, it's it, a, it's it, a dog whistle, as the young people like to yeah. say. It's a dog whistle, and you know the thing that cracks me up. There's no such thing as a garden Marriott. And if if Mr. Cooper had spent forty five seconds living outside the bubble, he would probably know stuff like that. Yeah, but he lumped it all in there, you know, he's, Olive Garden, and he's a he's a he is a so you they, know from the, from the fake flooding shot in Louisiana a couple of years back to this yeah, look, thing. I don't look. I don't. These he's, guys, he's a, he's these a terrible guys are who person. they are. He's a who terrible person. These guys are who they are. But to pretend that there's any journalism happening anymore really is just. I mean, we're beyond that. We're yeah, beyond that. We're now at the point where they're all we, and what they don't understand, and they'll never understand, is. The people that they're talking about and the Rick Wilsons with his Rubes comment when him and Don Lemon were laughing it up. These guys are <laughs> – they is, think that everyone is stupid. Which is which is funny from a redneck like Rick Nelson, uh, Wilson, right? right? of course. Well, like, he's, he's swimming in cash now because he sold his soul to the left. He's like, he's but right. the point is, is that they just don't understand that that digs yeah, man. these folks in deeper. Yeah, it, they it, know exactly – What's going on? Yeah, it it, it you and, know the... and I'll tell you what what I think when he when these people are high fiving each other, and they're walking back to their you know motel garden, uh, Marriott, Marriott garden, <laughs> they feel like no they've and I, and I and I as you said let's hope everything comes out here because I think a lot yeah. of the people who scaled the wall weren't necessarily running around supporting Donald Trump for the last four years but set that aside. Yeah. The ones who got wrapped up into this thing feel like, okay, at least I made my point because yeah. no one – I can't get my my point made. Yeah. I, nobody is paying attention. I think there's a lot of truth to that. It, it, you know, the great 
the great thing, one of the great things about President Trump, one of the great achievements of, of the last four or five years has been um, that the, the pretense of a neutral media, right, which, yeah. which started to erode, which the guy who was responsible for starting to erode it was Rush Limbaugh, right? Yep. Um, once the Limbaugh, mainstream media, well, once Limbaugh the mainstream up, media, all these guys had to had to alter their editorial approaches to to be contrary to him, right? So he started it. Trump finished it. You know, they, I don't know anybody who has any imagined. I don't know anyone who imagines that there's such a thing as an unbiased media anymore. Even people inside the media are now completely clear about who's what, and that's. Um, and I think you know to 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 his credit i mean you know he lives by the sword and dies by the sword yeah. right i mean he he well, he brought on yeah he brought it on but also i mean as you joked about it uh, when you were on the inside one of his accomplishments was saving the failing new york times yeah man it it, it it's going to be interesting to see what, what the next what the next four years are going to be like because this they are beavers right they have to be chewing on something at all and times. the Democrats don't have yes they unit have, they, they they talk about unity and I'm going to bring up the well I forget the, unity the for a second they talk about the, the only thing that unified the left and the uh, the left and the what I would say the less left in the Democratic Party was the vilification of Donald Trump that's right what are they going to do now. Well, I'm not even thinking about that. I'm thinking about what are they going to do with the media because, you know, everybody forgets this. Um, the Obama guys didn't like the media either, and these are all a bunch of Obama guys, right? The Clinton, the um, Clinton, the Biden. I got to keep, gotta stop doing that. Um, you know, the Biden team has essentially um, closed off access to him, yeah. and, and you know, because he, and and the big question among the media guys, among my reporter friends, is, are we going to get are we going to be in more or less permanent lockdown first because of COVID and then later because, you know, <laughs> yeah, Biden, Biden's just not going to play with that's us. How, that's what they, that's what they like, do. And I'm like, that's exactly what's going to happen. And I'd like to come back and visit Anderson Cooper in a couple of years and say, okay, well, now you got different targets to grind on. How do you like them boys now that, you know, now that they're the guys who eat it, you know, I don't know where do the where do the where do the liberals in town? Eat? French Laundry. Oh, no, that's California. French Laundry in town. I you know where, but you know what's he going to do two years from now? Well, you know they're going back to the Mayflower, high fiving themselves or something. You know, it, it it is what it is. I'm 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 excited for the next four years. Uh, I'm not because I'm I'm worried uh, that the uh, and we'll get to why I'm worried in a sec, but that that they're going to go for broke here in the short run, and they're going to use this as an excuse. And like I said, Joe Manchin is not going to be like that. He's, you you know, Joe Manchin <laughs> is not Braveheart. He yeah. is not Mel Gibson yeah. in Braveheart, okay? Let's just leave it at that. Now, I want to play this clip because <laughs> this clip grinded me. It grinded me because it is amazing to me how quickly and how succinctly these guys create an alternative universe. And I have a theory now. I, it just came to me. So I'll play the clip and I'll tell you my theory. One of the fundamental principles upon which America's democracy rests, a principle as sacred as a civic value can be, is fidelity to the rule of law. In times of stability, that principle can seem abstract, like something out of a legal textbook that isn't relevant to our daily lives. But in times of upheaval, we come to realize, to appreciate, just how vital the rule of law truly is. 
What we saw yesterday in our nation's capital was as the president-elect has called it, an assault on the rule of law. And it has no place in our democracy. So I believe we must ask ourselves two questions about what happened yesterday. What went wrong and how do we make it right? And I believe the answers require us to recognize that the challenge we're facing in our country is about more than the actions of the few we watched yesterday. It's about how to reform, how to transform a justice system that does not work equally for all. A justice system that is experienced differently depending on whether you're white or black. A justice system that is experienced differently if you're rich or poor. A justice system that's different depending on whether your job requires you to take a shower before you go to work or requires you to take a shower when you come home after work. We witnessed two systems of justice. When we saw one that let extremists storm the United States Capitol and another that released tear gas on peaceful protesters last summer. The American people. Who was that? Uh, Vice President-elect. Oh, yeah. Boy, I'm talking through her nose lately. Um, yeah, yeah I, you know what? It, it, why did it grind you? I mean, I, I found it to be anodyne, but. Well, I. I mean, it, it was, it was propaganda, <laughs> but it was anodyne propaganda. Okay. The reason that it irked me is because it can, the, it ties back to the tapper quote. Yeah. It is incredible to me how you can see something. Yeah. Witness it with your eyes and say that is one, one thing and witness something else and say that it is a completely, the complete opposite thing. It is political violence right straight down the line. Well, yeah. And, and the other thing is, is I, I thought about it and I'm like, how can you see what went on during the inauguration of Donald Trump four years ago? How can you see what went on during the all year long, practically, and as you mentioned in Portland, as you mentioned here in D.C.? Yeah. And call it and the, the Kavanaugh stuff and call it peaceful, political, peaceful yeah. protests and like. Can I can I send the because here's what I think. Yeah. People on the left, I have friends who text me all the time, like, how can you like you know, like who told this line? And I think to myself, these are really smart people, and you can look at it, you can look at something for what it is. And then you can say, something's not right about that. But then you hear your fearless leaders explain to you what it is. And then you go, oh, I can buy that. Good. You know, and then feel comfortable with the fact that you run around saying that what, what has been going on around the country this year isn't well, let me, let me send what the, it, exactly what it is. Let me send the ball bouncing in a different direction. 
You get you, you. I'm good. I just wanted to get that off no, my chest. I appreciate that. It just drives me nuts because well, it's fine. Call it political political pro. Well, it was, it's political activism. Yeah. That streams into violence. I I get it, right? And it, okay, so so two two things, right? Related things. The the first off, most of the BLM protesters, all, and most of the protesters from yesterday, from two days ago, rioters, insurrectionists whatever, um, from a couple of days ago, have so far been treated pretty similarly by the justice system, right? The cops on in the Capitol That's ground. not what she saw. I know. I know. That's what I'm saying. I, and, I, I, you know, I, I understand the, hey, if, if we were all black folks, um, you know, we'd be machine gunned. And I'm like, well, again, we have some immediate history that suggests that the, the laissez-faire attitude of law enforcement is colorblind, right? And you know the second thing? The other way the BLM and what happened two days ago is similar? Um, I am sympathetic to the idea that um, the justice system, and just not just the justice system, but every interaction with government and and uh, black folks in this country tends to be degrading to black people. And, and I, I just don't mean just the cops and the courts. I mean the welfare system and the housing system, and most importantly, the educational yeah, system, I, right? I 100% agree. I, I know you do. I know you do. And and so I'm sympathetic to that, right? The the folks who, and I'm not talking now about the 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 you know children, the white children of the upper middle class who participated in the protest. I mean, you know, the the, the legitimate um, black folks who showed up this summer. I'm sensitive to their. I'm, I really am. Yeah. And and what happened two days ago? are also people who, for whatever reason, and for different reasons, look at the system like, this thing doesn't work it's for me. It's stacked against right, me. And exactly. that's, I, my point exactly. is this, it is the same. Yeah, it's very, very similar. Of, I concede that most of the people who are out there really feel like they've got the raw end of the stick yeah. for one reason or another. Yeah. And then there are, there are, there, it is there, undeniable that there are professional, professional agitators, agitators no, no, mixed no. into these crowds, whether yeah. it's from the crazy, crazy yeah. right or the crazy left. That's right. That's absolutely and right. That, and, and, and you know, that's but, the, that's the thing about it. If they want unity, if, 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 if Joe Biden wanted to do something really great for this country, he would, he would tell his, he would call his dogs off and say, you know what? We're taking a pause for a while. But he was up on the podium right before her. Yeah. Spouting off the exact same stuff. Yeah, so that I, isn't going to happen. I'm confident that he's ultimately going to do something close to the right thing. Because he, he, look, he knows that, you know, you wind up in this, you wind up in this spiral, you're going to be in the spiral until something really bad happens. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing. I you mean, know, I, and, I, and the funny thing is, you, to, 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 you know, we're talking about left and right and, and, you know, agitators and people with legitimate things. Um, you know, before before Wednesday happened, you want to know the biggest concern I had over the last five or six days was the pig's blood on the um, doors of both McConnell and Pelosi and the protesters outside Josh Hawley's house in Fairfax. You know, I, I look at the world and I think stuff like that happens. How far were you from having a member of Congress um, assaulted or killed? Yeah. It, it's bad, right? It's bad. And, and but it, and, and, they're not, it, right, they're not doing they're anything. They're not doing anything. To they're, hose not, it down. they're not calling it off. They're not hosing it down. That's right. It's like if it's my pro if it's my cause, it's not a problem. 
If it's your cause, it is all yeah. of this stuff that they're talking yeah. about. And, 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 and again, and, and it's like, unfair to the people on both sides of this that's who right. legitimately feel like they're yeah. they're getting shafted, yeah. that well, they that they have no voice. Yeah. And like you said, and I agree with that. Yeah, I agree I, with that because it, it how that's can, how I feel. Well, right, and that's the thing. I feel about, like the system is rigged against regular people, and it, right, and whether they're black or white. That's right, or poor, and you know, you know. I mean, now I'm going to be well. You just have no idea because you're white. Okay, fine. I maybe well, I don't. You know, but, for, forget all the rest of it. Right, the data tells you. The data tells you that the government is not exactly helping anybody. Right. Um, and it's particularly destructive in certain communities. Um, and that's just that. And we can talk all we want about it, but it's true. Right. And it doesn't matter whether you're black or white or Hispanic or whatever. There was an interesting trade. There was an interesting trade report came out yesterday in all this mayhem. Right. <laughs> it got lost. Do you want to know what it showed? Sure. I'd love to. It showed that Latino and black communities were every bit as damaged by free trade as were the white communities, right? White manufacturing communities. And and like I said, nobody paid any attention to it. Right. But I thought that may be the most interesting report I've ever run across because it it doesn't matter what color you are. The federal government is not um, really your friend. And, and you know what else I, um, I thought was really a little bit ridiculous uh, on Wednesday, uh, if you can imagine anything else being ridiculous, that the stock market hit a record high. Yeah, that I, uh, on on the second version of Pearl Harbor Day. Yeah, the, I, that see that I got. Well, see that the, the difference and and see, and this gets to my point about people using emotions, not thoughts. The guys who get paid to use thoughts, um, the um, the Wall Street characters, um, they knew that the fundamentals of the world hadn't changed a single bit. That these um, these crews were again, if they were insurrectionists, they were the the, the cartoon version of insurrectionists, and that the really important thing that happened, what happened on Tuesday when the Democrats won in Georgia. Well, important for the Wall Street important, guys. Right, of course. <laughs> and, and, that, and that a couple, couple trillion more common. Woo-hoo! <laughs> you can use a song for, for that. People say, uh, Georgia on my mind, I say, uh, the night the lights went out in Georgia, but we can get into that a little bit. But you're right. I mean, the, the, that's the point, too, is if this was an insurrection and Tom Cotton should be ashamed of himself, too, quite honestly. I think you any, know, anybody. Because if it was an insurrection, you know, the wall, what the what what would have happened on Wall Street that day? Yeah, there probably would. There'd be a run at the banks right probably now. would have turned out badly if there yeah. was. A, yeah, I, it like I said, the, the, the feds are eventually going to have to charge somebody with something. And the way the rhetoric's going, unless they charge everybody with treason. There's going to be a lot of people who are going to look stupid. Yeah, so, Cotton's so one call, of them. calls for unity are short-lived. Um, calls for the Trump, what's left of the Trump uh, and uh, cabinet members calling for his removal based on the 25th Amendment, including some wise case treaters, and uh, calls for impeachment, um, Schumer's speech, uh, unity. I'm not so sure that's that's really the goal here. So yeah, let's they, just keep that in mind as we go they, through this. You, you know, want to talk about the election, the the Georgia stuff? I do. I want to talk. I want to make one quick point about impeachment calls for impeachment. Right. Most of the calls for impeachment were associated with statements that hey, it's so you know we want to make sure he can't run again. And I thought those 
Yeah, just as a just as a numbers guy in this racket, I thought that's very interesting. Why, why would you be afraid of this guy running again? That you wanted to foreclose that possibility. If I was a Democrat and you really you'd want him to run again, right? you believe right? everything you say. You're like, well, so, I hope so this who guy runs want him again. To run again. Right? It's it, it, <laughs> it, you know, in all this mess, I haven't heard a single reporter say, "Well, wait a minute, why are we why are we afraid of that?" Right? But there it is. Um, uh, well, to, there, well, before we get to Georgia, because we're since still we're on never, Trump, since we're never going to leave. And maybe we'll uh, we'll we'll be talking about Trump. I'm sure for a while for the rest but, of our but natural. But we won't be dedicating as nearly as much time on this amazing podcast to it. But uh, something else happened yesterday that uh, you want to discuss. Did what that? Are we talking about Tommy Lasorda dying? Yet? No, we'll get to that later. No, you wanted to talk about the RNC. Oh, that happened today. Oh, well, that was this morning. That was this oh, morning. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah so, yeah, yeah. so, so here's the deal. Um, and I, I'll try to say this in as organized a fashion and nicely as I can. But in this election cycle, the Republican Party lost the House. Because um, keep in mind, everybody gets elected every two years in the House. So to say you gain ten seats is true, but it's also true that you lost the House again. Um, lost the Senate, right? That's the Georgia races now. Lost the presidency and the current chairman, chairperson, chairwoman, um, in losing the presidency, lost her own state in Michigan. Now, when I was a young man growing up, if a RNC chairman lost their own state, that was considered reason enough to maybe not listen to their advice about how to win states. This morning, in a fit of self-awareness, the Republican National Committee, all 168 of them, voted to re-up Ronna McDaniel as chairwoman for another two years, um, which who I which was I was endorsed by Trump, which who was endorsed early and rather, early forcefully, and rather forcefully by the president. I will note that I wrote two columns. I've written two columns on this already, um, but the 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 amazing lack of self awareness is just overwhelming. And I'm not sure I want to say this um, publicly, but I'm just going to say it anyhow. <laughs> Breaking if, news. If you give money, if podcast. you give money to the Republican Party after something like this, you probably need to rethink um, how you think about life. Because where I'm from, it's okay to fail. Everybody fails. But you usually don't reward failure. You usually penalize it in some fashion. You lose a job. You lose a client. You don't get a raise. Your friend punches you in the nose. Whatever, you do not reward failure because if you incentivize failure, you're going to get more of it. it, In a week of really surprising things that the Republican Party has done and not done, this thing has to be the most surprising. Well, um, I guess com- combine the fact that um, there is a desire for this to be the end uh, of Donald Trump in the Republican Party by many Republicans. And I don't even get there. I don't even care. No, no, no. I'm just my point is, is that uh, I, I think what I think is, again, but based on the immediate aftermath of what happened Wednesday, which, again, I do not condone. It was the break. It was the opportunity for people to very forcefully and publicly washed their hands of the last three oh, yeah. years and oh, yeah. you know uh, and you know expect 
expect everyone to just what did you say the 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 there was a quote from a lobbyist in town. I, I you, can't repeat I can't that. On, I can't no, repeat. you said it was, oh, let's get, now we can get back to business as usual. Or what was the, you said you saw something, there was a rundown of, oh, no, it wasn't you. I'm sorry. It wasn't it was me. Somebody else. Somebody else. It was somebody else who has there a big a, square okay. head. So there was a write-up of like what K Street, what is <laughs> K Street saying? Like, who cares? Right? Who cares? <laughs> and one of the quotes was, uh now we can get back to business as usual. At least he said it, you know, right? You know? Yeah, so a reporter, it was anonymous still, but it was a quote from an anonymous case treater. A reporter asked me, a reporter asked me what I thought about all these associations with their statements. I'm like, I'm like, I'm pretty, I, I, everybody I know is lying awake at nights wondering, what does Jay Timmons think about this? Or <laughs> what does Mike Summers think about this? If only I could. Or, or Clorox. Right. If only I could or, hear. Uh, if, Tide or, or uh, it, Unilever, right? Like, if only I could hear their thoughts on the topic. Someone on Twitter said, I don't really care what you think about the I, 25th Amendment. I just want you to sell me toilet paper. I, I it, it, it's you know what this is the I've wondered about this for the last couple of days and I think I have an answer. It's because everybody's got a comm shop. Yeah. And the comm shops are like you got to put out a release boss otherwise people won't think you care. What's my statement on this? We got to say something. I had a statement this. on everything. All right, um look, uh, I in in no way shape or form uh intended to spend the entire podcast talking about this. So let's move on to Georgia Senate races. The Senate is now firmly in con uh, functional control by uh, Senator Schumer, who said, buckle up. That was his first tweet after it was announced that- uh, It's so sad when old guys try to be cool. <laughs> well, yeah, because he's got a handler, right? He's got some- Buckle up! He's got some, you know, pasty millennial doing his tweets for him. He's like- what do you think AOC would uh, would say here in this situation? You know, that's going to be. It's, you know, the, what does AOC think? And about that's that? the great thing about this. And and you know when, you know, when Congresswoman Ocasio Cortez announces that she's running a primary against the Senate Majority Leader, everyone in D.C. is going to go, "Oh, this is unprecedented!" Blah 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 blah. And everybody else is going to be like, "It out there in America is going to be like." It, I'm sorry, Charles Sch Sch Schumer's the majority there. Yeah, who? really? Who? 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 Um, and she's gonna, she's gonna, um, she's gonna run him out, right? She's gonna steamroll the poor guy. Well, it's actually worse for Schumer that they took the Senate. Oh, it's totally worse because now he's on the hook. He's got to produce. Now he has to deliver. Yeah, and he's got, and he's got, and a real quick run rundown, right? Is it's, it's worth running it down? He's got um, Senator. Um, uh, Cortez Masto in Nevada, who's up, who won last time with like 47% of the vote. He's got Maggie Hassan, Senator Hassan in New Hampshire. Warnock's got to get who's up with Who's up with, and she won 48% of the mm -hmm. vote. Got Mark Kelly up, who won with 51% in Arizona. He's got Warnock, who's not going to change at all, who's and up with 50%, right? I mean, I don't um, think that's going to, I mean, maybe they'll repeat. And, and just these are the three that, these are the three or four that you know, right? The other guy's up in 2024 on the deeper end of this thing. <laughs> Joe Manchin's up in West Virginia, right? He won with less than fifty percent of the vote last time. Uh, um, it, it's going to be. I mean, the, most the of those seats are pretty safe. I don't think any not of the those ones seats. you rattled off, but the rest of the Democrats have a lot more in cycle in twenty two. Uh, I don't know. I haven't done. I haven't yes, done that the, the, this is the year that the, there's a switch, switch, yeah. the, the sweep now, yeah. where a lot of the Democrats are up, but. 
A lot of them are in safe seats, but the ones you rattled off are not, are yeah. certainly not. And, and, you know, the funny thing is, if Congresswoman Cortez, Ocasio-Cortez tries him, wins, that seat might become a legitimate open, you know, a legitimate contested seat, right? The Republicans might actually have a chance to win some because if she does that, I guess at least Stefanik is going to run against her. And that will be a great, spectacular yeah, and, and fun and race. I, Either way, although the, the guy, truthfully, the guy who a, should run a less than spectacular. Rep- the guy who should run Lee Zeldin from Long Island. Lee should run. That would be fun. So the Democrats take the Senate <clears throat> with a tie-breaking vote. Uh, that means Vice President Harris will be spending a lot of time on in the Capitol. <laughs> I know um, that's fun. A lot of time she will be living over there. They'll have a nice office for her. Um, you are. I'm. They're going to go for it. I mean, they don't have a choice but to go for broke. And they're going to – the first thing they've got on the in the uh, HR1 in the House is a redux of their quote-unquote election reform stuff. Yeah. Um, that That is going to be what they go for in the very short run. And then you have a reconciliation, which means they need 51 votes to, to basically – they, yeah, you they'll can, have 51 votes to undo as much as they can on the Trump tax tax deal. Yeah, as, depending on how you count, they could have three reconciliation votes, um, three cracks of reconciliation this year. Um, here's the interesting part. Bernie Sanders, the budget chairman. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to laugh. No, no, I just – I. okay, but let me read off some others. Pat Leahy is going to take banking. Pat Leahy, Really? Is Pat Leahy? No, 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 not banking. Sorry, uh, he, he's up for a chair. I don't know. Judiciary, don't know. probably. Is he? Is he? Is he still a senator? Then you got Brown, sure, sure, Brown, Brown up for banking. Sit. Then you got uh, Carper up for EPW. Oh, Tom man. Carper. You Tom got Carper. Ron Wyden up for finance. Wyden, yeah, I knew. Wyden, by the way, has had a lot of work done. I don't know if you've noticed. Oh, that. Has he? A lot of work done. Then you got the the guy who probably should not have won in Michigan, Peters. Gary Peters, what? Gary Peters, uh, Homeland. Home. Really? Yep. Then you got Durbin for Judiciary. Oh, boy. Or White House, depending. Take your pick. And uh, as I mentioned, Bernie for uh, budget. That's just right off the Keep top. Keep in mind, Senator Whitehouse wasn't They're, Attorney okay, General. Okay, what's the right common on? thread there? They are all really, really old. old white really guys. old, man. <laughs> I mean, I... I, uh, not a, they have a little bit of a perception problem in this new I mean, who's the young party. who's the youngest guy in that crowd? Uh, probably Brown. No, Peters. Peters is probably only. Peters is probably my age. He's Peters, probably in his early seventies. Yeah. yeah. So uh, at, at, that's a that is a terrifying list of names right there. Yeah, and I don't see how, I don't see any way around it. I'm glad they pushed Diane Feinstein. Right, out exactly. To, right. It's like, well, we're not going to win anyway. Let's knock her off now. Push, push Diane Feinstein yeah. out to wait, make way for an old white guy. Yeah. <laughs> Great. So they got a little bit of a perception problem. You well, know, they're being run by Chuck Schumer. He he radiates youth and vitality. <laughs> and Markey. <laughs> you know, the youthful Markey. I've been in Congress since 1974. Who, by the way, came out already, guns blazing. Filibuster, Puerto Rico. Now it's time. Now it's time for us to well, move. Well, remember, right? why, remember so, why Senator Markey is Senator Markey, yes, right? Yes, I know. You're, you're a woman. You're, I mean, she, you're she, cr- yeah. You're, you're, Crush on AOC is coming back up. Just telling you, it's just a fact, right? She helped him rub out a Kennedy. I, in in retrospect, probably better for everybody if Kennedy had won that race. I mean, he's a you know Joe Kennedy's a Kennedy, right? It, pleasant, um, harmless, not terribly um, 
gifted with horsepower in the between the ears. You know, it's, it's a good set. Good. Hey, John was a C student at Harvard. Let's not kid ourselves. Yeah, well, did he did he lie about his grades or what? No, but he was a C student at Harvard. Yeah, I know. Joe Biden was at the top of his class. Remember? <laughs> All right. Um, couple things that Trump finalized this week. Uh, I want to play a clip to set this up. We can chat about this a little bit because it leads to uh, one other thing that the Republic, the Democrats can do now that they've taken the Senate. So let me play this unbiased media report about a couple of Trump's uh, regulatory moves and we can talk about them. Back in the United States, the Environmental Protection Agency finalized a rule which experts say will allow companies to further pollute the nation's air and water by limiting what research can be included in crafting public health protections. Known as the transparency rule, it requires researchers to disclose their raw data, which is often not possible since it can include confidential medical records and other personal data, excluding vital findings from the development of environmental regulations. Meanwhile, the Trump administration's just weakened protections for over 1,000 species of birds. The Interior Department rule bars officials from charging companies for killing migratory birds in any unintentional acts such as oil spills or toxic waste ponds. Wildlife experts have warned the rule could lead to billions more birds dying over the coming decades. A top official from Joe Biden's team vowed the recent policies would be reversed, though it's unclear how long that will take. <laughs> you wonder wow, if you get good. your information who, who from is, that. Who, who is uh, that? It's uh, uh, PBS, I think. Good lord! Yeah. That that okay. First off, some of it's just out out not oh. inaccurate. I mean, the the thing about the the I don't care about the Migratory Bird Treaty Act, right? That no, it's, important. it's a giveaway for the solar and the wind weenies. I don't, you know, I, I don't, you know, good for them, but I don't really care. The science transparency thing is specifically written such that uh, data is, can be anonymized. <laughs> so, no, it is. It's specifically written to give polluters a free pass <laughs> to further ruin our air quality, Mike. It's just that that seriously is horrible. I don't know who that person is, but they they that they have no they have no complete understanding of either the rule or perhaps what their ethical responsibilities are. It, he, anyway, I love the transparency rule. Like I said, the MBTA, I don't I don't really care about one way or the other, but the transparency rule, that is a great fight for to have in the next administration because, you know, the um a Biden administration is now going to have to argue that um using some science that remains secret and out of public sight is okay. And that's just never. Yeah, look, I mean, um, that's just never a good answer. Also, the administrator made it absolutely clear that that and, personal and, private information, of course, could be would, we would still remain personal. And yes, private. of course. And also, he, there's an out. The administrator, him, him or herself, can unilaterally decide to allow something that would otherwise not fall under the purview of this new rule, but. The administrator has to make disclose that he or she did he that. He or she waived the requirement. Yeah. Give the reasons and justifications for it, doing it, that. It, it, I think it's you know this is this is more important than this rule this this transparency thing. I think it's great. It's much more important than anything cost on the cost benefit side anybody's done, um, because at least it lets you all fight on a fight on on um, 
Yeah. Unknown, unknown and level turf. There right? is no reason why yeah. you should base a major rule that will have huge economic impacts yeah. and not have the information that you base the I'll, rule I'll, on I'll go beyond be that. made available. I'll go beyond that. There's no reason to base any kind of federal government activity on anything that isn't known or knowable unless it's a national security matter. One hundred percent. Just like this is this is basic good government one hundred and one. Yeah. Um, so yeah, totally in favor of it. And you know, for all my friends in the solar and wind community who wanted the MBTA um, stuff done, I'm glad we could get it for you. I know you came to us and reset during transition and asked for it. <laughs> You're well, welcome. You're welcome. It only took 1,445 days. All right. So um, – and and the thing is, is she, at the end, she said Biden will take care of it, although it's not sure about how to do that. One of the avenues that they now have is the Congressional Review Act, which is the rule uh, – the law that says that Congress can overturn rules within a certain time frame from a pre, from a, from the previous year or whatever. Yeah, sure. Um, simple, a- simple 50 privilege motion, 51 yeah. vote, majority in the Senate, majority in the House. Yep. The Democrats are in a little bit of a box on this. Yeah, man. Because yeah. the rule, the law really isn't a good, it really isn't good for Democrats. Well, it just did. Pre- the, the reason I say that is because if they, if they, let's say they take a CRA to this. First of all, the administrator says that this is not CRAable. Everything's CRAable. He claims it's not. Yeah, I that know. could be adjudicated. Yeah, yeah. But set that aside. If they CRA it, there's a there's a there's a little hitch in the law that says it's not a hitch. It's a feature. It's right, not a, bug. a feature, but it hasn't been it hasn't been challenged, which is why uh, Dave McIntosh is super smart. So so basically, it says that if you overturn this rule, then the agency is prohibited from issuing a substantially similar, similar. Rule. rule. Yeah. No, so if, is is, provi- tr- is prohibited from um, issuing a rule that uh, covers a substantially similar issue. Yes. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Which, so which if, it nobody comes, knows, if they right. repeal X, the methane, this or that or whatever, then they can't actually go. They can't actually issue a new rulemaking yeah. on that subject matter. Yeah, which is going to be we're going to we're going to get that adjudicated too. But the intent there's actually like report language off the um, off the uh, off the original uh, Congressional Review Act that that makes it clear that Congress didn't want them to to cough up a, a rule that was um, similar. Just change a couple of words and right. get it right back to right. us. Yeah, right. Right. it's going to be epic. And my guess is is that the administration's not going to want to um, go after CR. You know, go to, go after too much with the CRA. Think about the science trans- transparency thing, right? Yeah. How many people really want to get on the record is against transparency? Of course, it just it looks bad. And you know, if and every time and this is some. Let's let switch off and let's just think about the larger thing. Every time you make people take a vote, a meaningful vote in the House and the Senate because of the narrow margins, you are going to run a gauntlet of trade-offs. You are going to have to give people something if you're going to ask them to do something they don't want to do. And you're going to – if you're Chuck Schumer, if you're Joe Biden, President-elect Biden, Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. Sorry, you are going to want to minimize the times you go through the, that gauntlet. You're just going to want to because you know after time number six, your your ledge staff is going to come back to you. And go, 
they have a whole Dude. lot of stuff they need to do. Yeah, so. man. And this is this is like you you were just wasting time. That's they why have a whole lot of stuff yeah. they want to do. And that's why I laugh when Nancy Pelosi's like, We should impeach the president. I'm like, and waste three months of golden time in the administ- in the new administration. That just- No, they can do it right away. They just bring they, they Nadler said Judiciary chairman said, "No, we don't have we don't have time for these silly hearings. We got to go straight, <laughs> straight to the floor before." Uh, he literally said that. So uh, sticking on the environment for a yeah, man. You, story a uh, a story. I'll read it from the USA Today, including the show notes. EPA also released the um, uh, mileage for new vehicles and pollution and pollution. They call it, but uh, yeah, the uh, report, yeah. The report on um, EPA said the changes show that few automakers could meet what it called unrealistic emissions and mileage standards set by Obama through the 2020 model year. So slight uh, uh, mileage, gas mileage fell 0.2 miles per gallon for model year 2019. Greenhouse gas emissions rose by three grams per mile travel compared with 2018 figures. It's about 1%, right? Yeah. Let's put that in context, yeah. Uh, both of them are about 1%. Yeah. I mean, a de minimis on either end. That's right. right. It's basically flat. That's right. Okay. Yeah. But what wasn't discussed in this is yeah, that we, the auto industry is running out of credits. Yeah, we read the report, so you don't have to. Um, a, a huge batch of credits are going to vanish at the end of this year, 2021, right? Like two-thirds of the, of the yeah, bank. And explain what the what, what, what the credits, the credits, you know, the credits. Uh, These guys banked up a bunch of credits. Because, because they had, had a plenty of advance warning, they banked credits between 2017, 2013, and 2018, kind of ish. And the last two or three years, they've expended credits, but very modest credits. Um, very modest credits. Um, a lot of these, a lot, like two thirds of the remaining available credits expire at the end of this year. It will make compliance, maybe not next year, but certainly in 2023, complicated for the auto guys. So, what they're looking for, I'm certain, is some kind of deal where they get to replenish their credit bank and in exchange they're going to figure out a way to sell electric vehicles right. to they're suckers. They're going to cave on the whole band thing, the ice band thing. Yeah. Right? I, I, well, I don't think they're going to cave on the ice band thing. I think what I've always thought, um, this thing just gave me some num- gives me some numbers to think about how, to, how they're thinking about it. They're going to want to um, attenuate it for a long time and, and build up another credit bank that will allow them to attenuate it into the 2040s. Um, don't know if EPA is going to go for that. And I don't. I think the EPA will be very flexible if in the end they could do a press release saying yes. there's an ice ban. Yes. And by X. You see, the, the tricky part about that is, is that it, it, you know, it wouldn't apply to anybody without force of legislation. It wouldn't apply to anybody who's not in the settlement, which means somebody could wake up tomorrow morning and say, I'm going to start up a car company and sell gasoline powered cars. Bottom line is something this societal level kind of thing. You need to involve Congress. You, they have to. They just have to. Mm. You know, because 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 if for for you not to not to do that assumes that between now and whenever your your mythical ban happens, let's say twenty years, strikes me as a reasonable time. Right, you're never going to have a Congress who's going to blow it up. That seems unlikely. Yeah. Congress doesn't actually do anything anymore other than blow holes in the budget. How can but. you say that? 
Um, I, the other thing is, the interesting thing is, this is what, again, going back a few years back, the, the auto guys were telling us, well, look, here's the thing. We can manage for a few years, but we need we need that review because we're going to run out of credits here yeah. pretty soon. They, they, what it is is that it's, it's a meeting a number on paper. And this is the reason that Elon Musk is now the quote-unquote richest man in the world is because to meet these numbers on paper, to meet this arbitrary number on paper, they have all kinds of fun little tricks and bells and whistles and paper ledgers that they can bounce numbers back and forth on. And, you know, companies like, um, I, I can't remember if it was BMW for a while there or one of the, one of those basically said, you know what, I'm just going to pay True. my indulgences. I'm not making any of these crappy cars. Yeah, sure. Why not? But I'll I mean, just keep paying and then oh, well, I'll just tack a little extra on the cost of the cars that right. people actually buy off of me. That's right. Fair. Again, who's the loser in all of this? Well, I mean, the consumer. Anybody, anybody reckless enough to buy a BMW, you should buy American. So you shouldn't anyway. buy these communist cars. Ah, actually, but, Germany. But a right? wise man told me this is what happens when you decide to uh, in, allow the federal government to involve yourself yeah man themselves into the production process in your in your business and you once know, you... you did that back in the day in uh, 75 6 whenever the 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 cafe rule was implemented 75. into law 75 that was the beginning what was the beginning of the end when they bailed them out in 2009 and well, now we're in the situation where the, the automobile industry's customers are Washington DC yeah, and the rest of us can, you know, live with what we like, it, it, and, it, it, but pay through the. News. I'm I'm curious to see how this ice pan's gonna go. We're gonna we're gonna test just exactly what everybody's made of here shortly. It's pretty cool. I'm excited. <laughs> You're excited. I'm I'm scared out of my mind. Why these guys are the these guys are loaded for they they are. I hope I'm wrong, but I feel like they're going for it all and. They're, I'm, they're sure they, I'm sure they're. Now, gonna... ironically, we beat them back in 2009. They had a super majority in the Senate. They had a huge number in the House, and they still couldn't get cap and trade through. So I don't know. Maybe I'm just like, I'm just watching, reading, watching too much Twitter or Parler or something these days. But I feel like that they're poised to try to do some real damage to our to our country here. But. Yeah, you know the, the the great thing about elections is they mean more work for all of us. All right, one other uh, one other tidbit. Uh, you brought this up, so I will let you. Uh, I, I will read an article from uh, NBC News. Uh, our good friend Governor Gavin Newsom is in a little bit of a pickle back home. He's at risk of his hair destabilizing. He, I think he probably regrets even more his little French laundry sw <laughs> uh, uh, jaunt. Uh, there's a recall campaign out on the governor, and they currently have collected 844,000 signatures. They need 1.5 by mid-March to force an election. Now, may get they may get the the um, the they may get the signatures. They may not. There may be a recount, and there may not. But the news in here, and we have to credit our friends at the California Policy Center, and we'll put their website in the yeah, notes. Man. Is that this is what they're saying as a as a reason? Well, okay, this is what the governor's office is saying as a reason for uh, not doing not doing this. Um, let me see. His spokesperson says, 
Um, Dan Newman, spokesman for the governor, said Californians will have to decide whether they want a, quote, distraction and circus to pull attention away from the state's problems. He said a special election would cost taxpayers upward of $100 million. What happens if they've concluded and, that whoa, the, whoa, the state's problem the state, is Gavin Newsom? As Gavin the Newsom. state works to distribute COVID-19 vaccines, how dare you is, recall it, me while I'm trying to is, save Californians? Is, is Gavin Newsom distributing the vaccines yeah, himself? I think so. <laughs> it's a ragtag crew of pro-Trump and anti-vaccine extremists, along with some ambitious Republican politicians who would like to be Governor Newman said. That's his, his press guy. Newman. I don't think it's something anyone wants. Well, obviously, right. 845,000 people are okay They're with so it. Far. <laughs> so, but the thing that struck the California Policy Center, our friends there, and, and I'll read this quote to you from a political science professor at Loyola Marymount University. Which, by the way, is a lovely campus in Los Angeles. Fernando Guerra. Did I say that right? Let's guess you did. Guerra? Guerra. Sorry. Republicans see it as a way to destabilize the political system and to make government ineffective. <laughs> they want to create paralysis. This is the same as overturning the 2018 election. It, it, okay, that's huge, okay? And these guys, hats off to the CPC guys for, for pulling this one out. It, 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 what is that? I mean, you know, so... <laughs> Yes, it, it is about That's huge. It, it is about destabilizing the government. More specifically, it's about destabilizing the government of Governor Newsom. That, How long that, have that, the Democrats <laughs> been in charge of California? I, forever. So who can they possibly blame I, the state's problems you know, on? It, it, it a ragtag climate change. It, it's it's the oil industry. It's a ragtag bunch of pro-Trump guys and some other uh, honestly, people. Honestly, I, really I mean follow. that quote says so much, it and does. the fact that this. Political science. So what she's saying in a nutshell is if you oppose Democrats and the left, you're in favor, you're of, in favor of destabilization. Yeah. It, you know what? You, you know it's what, good. You know it's what very language, good. You know what language it is? It's Marxist language. Yes. It's totally Marxist language. You know, you're an enemy of the people. You're an enemy of the state. You want to destabilize the state. It's 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 not that you have a personal beef with Gavin Newsom. It's that you want to destabilize California. And this is really like the arrogance of these people. Like this is well, where I'd we're like headed. To, it's like, like if you're not on board with our program, then there's something wrong with well, you. I'd like to put the same template. There's something over, wrong with you. I'd like to put the same template over Washington D.C. Here, all the guys calling for the 25th Amendment or impeachment. They're trying to destabilize the government. Does it does it cut both ways, or is it just this one way? So I want to read um, from the CPC's like little newsletter because this is a this is a good I couldn't have said it better. So you know, they talked about how ridiculous the situation was on Wednesday and how how bad it was, and then um, you know the progressives will use this as an excuse to f further stifle free speech. New York Times has published multiple pieces calling for stricter tech censorship. Uh, but here's what they see what they're doing here. Now, any speech that criticizes government officials can be turned into the moral and legal equivalent of a riot. Yeah, man. If progressives could marginalize those who support limited government as dangerous radicals, 
they can clear the path of their biggest obstruction to implementing their political and cultural views. Yeah, man. It, it, it's, it, it's, it's good. It's, it's careful. It's fun. Um, I don't think anybody is going to buy it because everyone looks at it like, dude, I just want to get rid of this guy. I'm perfectly happy with the cops floating around. I no, just, you're destabilizing the government. I, you know what? There are governments that I'd like to destabilize. Um, and Gavin Newsom in California would definitely be one of them. <laughs> yeah, we should have. You know, we instead of getting all furious about it and like dissecting it all and getting mad, we should turn it around yeah. just like what you just did. You yeah. said, you know what? I'd, I'd like You're to destabilize. You're absolutely right. I would like to destabilize. If there was a guy who should go, it would be Nancy you. Pelosi's reign as Speaker of the House of Representatives. Yeah, absolutely. And, okay. It, it is what it is. Yeah, I'd like to destabilize the House majority right now. <laughs> yeah, lots of people I'd like to destabilize. Uh. All right. Um, okay, two things in baseball world. I know we're going to talk football for two two seconds. All we're right, we're going to do we're going to do a lightning round. You're going to give me your playoff picks. Ready, dude? I'm going Bills all the way, man. They're finally in. Just, the, just they're the finally six, in it. Just pick the six in front of you: Indianapolis or Buffalo. Bills. Baltimore, Tennessee. No idea. Come on, you got to pick Tennessee. Cleveland at Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Really? Tampa Bay at Washington. Tom Brady's at Tampa Bay. I know. <laughs> I, I hate the skins, but I can't. I, I'll take Tampa Bay. You know why? You're going to Because Belichick. Me. Yeah. I <laughs> it's a little sweet, right? Like, <laughs> Los Angeles versus Seattle. I, I like I like Seattle. I like Pete Carroll. I don't know. I, I oh, he's a USC guy. That, I forgot I like that. Carroll, yeah, yeah. So I'm going to Seattle. Chicago versus New Orleans. Uh, take the Bears. The Bears. Take the Bears. All right. Now the baseball. All right. We talked about the 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 amazing Mets, the Amazons. Big trade, Lindor and um, Carrasco. 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 So what is this? Is this just the beginning? Is this like ultra rich guys playground? He's going in big. Is this this? Steve Cohn's got Steve, a little bit of reminiscence of of the boss. Yeah, man. Steve Cohn's got himself a lifetime of um of of. Pretty good decisions behind him, right? And he learns industries pretty quick. So you got to think he's looked at this baseball thing for a while. Um, uh, he overpaid for the Mets for sure. He wanted to make sure he won, right? Because right. he, he's not a – he is not um, without controversy, right? He is not – laws followed him around a little bit. Yeah. Um, so he wanted to make sure Major League Baseball had understood that, hey, man, I'm, whatever number you're coughing I'm buying, up, I'm, I'm buying, buying right? my way into the right. club, I'm boys. buying this team. Um, and, and girls. There, there's two. There's a GM now in uh, Miami who's a woman. It goes one of two ways, right? It goes George Steinbrenner and you win six World Series and you're happy. Um, Man, what a huge, huge coup that would be or, for the Mets or for any of the losers. Or the you go Daniel Snyder and over 21 years, you do nothing. You just, you make the, you make the franchise more valuable, but you don't win a thing. Yeah, well, I, it, I don't know. You, I mean, these rich guys, it cuts, you it know. It kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, Shark Tank, Dallas. Mark Cuban. Yeah, Mark Cuban. By the way, Dallas didn't win anything either. Right. Uh, I, I, he's got a, he's, he, clearly he has his sights on making a statement in, in, in New York. And in, in order Come to on, do well, he's that. A, he's a native, so he you know, In he order to do it. that, you, yeah. win, you start winning and the Yankees yeah. haven't been winning yeah, I mean, so... but you got to understand something in New York City, and here's what it is: um, the Mets are the losers. Phil Kirpin, I'm talking to you. The, the Mets, 
Mets are the losers. Mets fans are the sad people. Um, and, you know, Yankees fans, Yankees are the winners, and Yankee fans are the winning fans and the good people. And and that's just like sun rising in the east, setting in the west. Nothing's going to change yeah, that. Yeah, man, but, but the boss is long gone. And, it doesn't and matter. Hank is Hank's you, a, Hank's an accountant. You cannot basically. stop. You oh, look. The Yankees are going to struggle forever, right? But you are not going to stop the velocity of physics. And it's like this: <laughs> Mets are losers. Well, winners so, or losers. Some, that sometimes without a doubt, that was a good get. Oh yeah, sure there it was. No doubt. I'm willing to bet you any amount of money that you want right now that something will happen to one. Or both of those players that makes him ineligible to play in the next the next season, Carl in the upcoming Crawford. season. I'm hearing games. Carl Crawford. I'm hearing uh, Carl Crawford. Carl Pavano. Remember Carl Crawford? Carl Pavano. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He snagged him from the Rays. He was like a phenom. And then, so, and then, no. But this guy's the real deal. Lindor is the real deal. So I'm not saying he's not. I'm just saying he plays for the Mets now, which means he's going to slip in the shower. Robbie Cano, by the way, did you see that? He went to jail finally. No, no he, what? He got busted again for PEDs. Oh, boy. So. Anyway, I'm telling you, now that he plays for the Mets, something's going to happen. <laughs> He's going to trip on a sprinkler and be out for six weeks. <laughs> no, and, you know, Phil, if you're out there listening, <laughs> I- I'm cheering for you, buddy. I'm, I'm cheering for I'm you. I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, and actually, some uh, one other baseball, one other baseball item, uh, the great the character, old- Tommy Lasorda. <laughs> A long, illustrious life died at the age of, at the young old age of 93 years old. There are a lot of clips that we've combed through <laughs> earlier today <laughs> with <laughs> a lot of colorful words in them. And this is not not suitable for this podcast, but. Tommy spent too much time at locker rooms. If anybody, ever, right now. If anybody ever spent any time watching baseball in the you know 80s, 70s and 80s. Tommy Lasorda was an iconic, right? And the Yankees got the better of him twice. They sure did. Twice, sure did. So, in honor of Tommy Lasorda, he's our walkout. He's our he's our walkout clip clip for the day, and we're going a little, not quite as we're going not quite as comical. We're going gentle. So, gonna play it for you, and then uh, we're gonna sign out here. The the whole thing about Yankee Stadium and and the Yankees. They were something special. They used to uh, they used to uh, dress with shirt and ties, jackets, because they said, "Once a Yankee, always a Yankee. You can play for the Yankees. You got to act like a Yankee." They always wore ties. They always wore sport coats, and they were a traditional. Traditionally, they were, they were the greatest. And here I was actually pitching in Yankee Stadium. And I had dreamt of that. And that's when you say dreams become a reality. God bless you. <laughs> May the perpetual light shine upon you, Tommy. Thank you. I tell you, he was a character. He really was. <laughs> Peace out, everybody. See ya.